Today's scripture is First uh, Peter chapter 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage for against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is the word of God. Amen. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you for privilege of gathering here today to worship and hear your word. Please speak through Dindi and fill her with your Holy Spirit as she shares with us your truth. Open our hearts and minds and open, open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Anis. I congratulate you on volunteering to read. What a blessing. Good morning again. 
And thank you for the privilege of allowing me to speak to you. If you don't mind, I'm going to pray again just because I need to do it for me to just calm down for the moment. (laughs) Father God, I thank you that everybody here, Lord, is listening to what you want to tell them. So I pray you would speak your words through me today, Lord. What an honor and a privilege it is, as Annie said, to be here in your house, worshiping you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our subject today, as Vic mentioned, is from 1 Peter chapter 2, the church as a royal priestly people. A royal priestly people. Now, this was not a brand new idea, really. You know, it's wonderful to trace subjects that go all through the Bible. There's even a course in school called Unity of the Bible, some of you have taken, and you recognize themes that stretch through the whole Bible from beginning to end. One of them is this concept that we're talking about today, witness. Moses stood at Mount Sinai after the Jewish people, the Israelites, were freed from Egypt by Moses. And he stood there ready to go up and hear God's message. And God said, I have a message for you to the Israelites. I have something I want you to tell them, and I'm going to read it to you from Exodus 19, verse 6. So God says, this is the message for Israel. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Wow, Peter must have read that. (laughs) God had that planned all along, didn't he? And then while Moses was up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, with God, God gave him great detailed plans about the tabernacle, didn't he? Every detail, and if you look at it in the Old Testament and Exodus, and through Leviticus, Deuteronomy, talk about it, you will see that every single detail is covered. They were to make a tabernacle where the ark could be kept. The presence of God would be there in their midst. And then as Leviticus outlines, we have the whole sacrificial system. No matter what you did or didn't do, There was a sacrifice and an offering of some kind for you to be handled by the high priest. And also, he was the only one, the descendant of Aaron, who could go into the most holy place or the holy of holies. There was a big sign that said, keep out (laughs) everyone else. So, This was a very special, detailed system for the Israelites with the hope that they would be that holy nation, that kingdom of priests that God wanted. Well, you know, we studied some of the book of Judges this past summer, August, and so you know already 
that didn't always happen exactly as God wanted it to, right? There were times Israel obeyed God and did a great job of worshiping the one true God, especially while that judge was living that we read about in the book of Judges. But when the judge died, they reverted to their ways of worshiping other gods of the peoples around them. They fell from their place of worshiping the one true God. They were not the holy nation God had called them to be at times, were they? Just like all of us, I guess you could say. So that wasn't really doing the complete job God wanted. But, you know, God had that purpose in mind, and he didn't forget it. So he came up with another plan. I think you could say a better plan, really. Because this time, he didn't only touch people on the outside with rules and what they could and couldn't do, but he changed us on the inside, didn't he? Now, what's interesting is Peter is talking to this group of people, a lot like us, aren't they? These are people who are going to be the holy people, the holy nation, the royal priesthood. Who are these people? Well, they were scattered, it says, all across northern Turkey. And Mark went through this and showed you all the places where they lived. And we've traveled those, and they are there, and it's interesting. Um, They were called aliens, foreigners, sojourners, strangers. There are a lot of different words for this has more than one meaning, but basically they didn't belong either to this world or even to the peoples around them. They were kind of outsiders. Chapter one of Peter says that they were ignorant. They had an empty way of life. They were not a people. Chapter two tells us, like Hosea said, they were not a people. How could these possibly be the future holy nation any more than Israel was at all times? Again, God had a plan, and he had this in mind all through the years, all through the scriptures. So what does he do? Many times in the Old Testament you can read about how he gathered the scattered people. There are many scriptures that talk about him gathering. I want to read one to you. It's from Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. This is Nehemiah praying to God. Praying to God. And he says, God, remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my command, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. 
The great shepherd gathers the sheep. He gathered you and me, didn't he? Didn't matter where we were. He brought us in. And not only that, he must have seen something in those people and in us. He chose us. The word says in chapters one and two, uses the word chosen. How could he choose us? I don't know about you, but when Mark and I became believers, and it was the same day, the same time, we didn't know God. Excuse me. Prior to that, obviously, we didn't know God. We were hippies living the life of the 60s, shall we say. We did not have any idea. His mother knew God, and she was praying for us, and his grandmother, thank goodness, because I don't think anyone was praying for me, but I got in on that through them. And how could God know that we would be here now, that we had the potential to be here? How did God know you had the potential to be here? I'm sure some of you also had interesting lives when God found you wherever the farthest horizons, you know, But he saw something in you, didn't he? He saw something in Gideon. Remember, we talked about that two or three weeks ago. Gideon was very fearful of the Midianites, the strong army around him. And he was grinding, threshing wheat in a wine press to hide it. He was pretty fearful and he was not the mighty warrior that the angel of God called him. Remember? The angel of God said, mighty warrior. And Gideon looked around to see who he was talking to. But God saw something. And by the end of the story that we covered, he was the mighty warrior. God sees the potential in you. He saw the potential in the people Peter was talking about. He made them into a holy priesthood, a holy nation, which is what he has made all of us sitting here today, standing or sitting He gathered us. We were scattered. He chose us. And then he transformed us, didn't he? He brought us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. This is also in 1 Peter chapter 2. That's why we declare his praises. He did something we couldn't do ourselves. He had to do it, didn't he? He had to transform us with his salvation. So now we have the potential to be the holy nation he's been waiting for, longing for, longing for. But he says, I don't want you to just stay stationary. I don't want you to stop growing. He tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, grow up, keep growing, crave the milk of your mother so that you might grow up like newborn babies need mother's milk. Grow up. And then as Vic admonished us last week, he says, be holy, even as I am holy. How can you be a holy nation with unholy people? We have to allow him to transform us into his image more and more. We're getting there, church. We're becoming that holy nation, aren't we? And then he says in chapter 2, verse 4, come to him. Come to him. He's a living stone. He's a living stone. Now, remember, 
Moses had the instructions for the tabernacle. In the Old Testament, they moved it around with them to have the presence of God go with them. This is going to be a different kind of building. First Peter chapter two, verse five says it's a spiritual house. And there are going to be spiritual people inside of it offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable. What? Is that us? Could that possibly be? Yes. Yes. This is a temple, you might say, or a building not made with human hands. This is a God building (laughs) with the chief cornerstone and all of us, it says, as living stones. Living stones. We're being built into this spiritual house that he has created. But there was a problem, you might say, and this is the heart of what I really want to say today. One of my favorite verses in this chapter, we just read, he says, come to him, verse four, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. It says that this is the stone the builders rejected. Psalm 118, 22. But later became the cornerstone. Jesus was despised and rejected, wasn't he? Isaiah 53, you know that verse. He knew rejection, didn't he? He was rejected, the living stone Now think about this. Who wrote this? Peter. Did Peter know about rejection? I would say he did. First of all, he himself denied Christ three times. You know that? And what else? Peter saw the king of glory rejected, sacrificed on the cross. He was there. He might not have been standing right next to it, but he was there. Maybe hiding a little bit. He was there. He saw it. The one he loved was hung there, rejected, spat upon, fed vinegar, mocked, humiliated. Peter saw that. He knew rejection. But he knew something else, didn't he? He was also there at the resurrection. Remember, they ran to the tomb. He and John, it says in the book of John, and the disciple Jesus loved got there first, didn't go into the tomb, but Peter went in. Peter went in. Peter saw the empty tomb. He knew, he knew that Jesus could rescue that Jesus could defeat death. That life won out, didn't he? He knew that. And so he writes that, and I love it, rejected by men, but snatched up and chosen by God and precious to him. And some of you today might be like me, frankly, I have really wrestled with rejection many times. 
And I don't know about some of you. Maybe some of you do. Maybe some of you say, that's nice about living stones, but I don't feel worthy. I don't feel my life is good enough to be part of that building God is making. I don't feel capable. I don't feel ready. I don't feel affirmed. I don't feel like a living stone. Well, guess what? Thank goodness it isn't our feelings. Because if it were, nothing would get done, would it? We'd bury ourselves someplace and cry the rest of our lives or something. Get, ask God to help you. I went through a long period of feeling rejected and crying. I have told some of you that story. Four years. Is that long enough? Four years. And I never thought it possible that God would pick me up and get me out of that place. Don't ask me how he did it exactly, but he did. And I'm here to tell you that you can't do it yourself many times. Yes, you have to obey God, but you also have to let him do it for you. He will snatch you out of that place of rejection. He will choose you and he will put you on the rock and he will say, you are my living stone. You are the kingdom of priests, the holy nation I have longed for. You are part of it. Don't waste your life rejecting that. It's very, very important. So the Bible tells us that Christ, the living stone, became the cornerstone, the sure foundation. In a building, the cornerstone is the stone that holds everything together. Everything's built around it. That is Christ for us. So now, you and I can be part of the royal priestly line. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am not related to King David. I'm not royalty. How can I be? Well, I read somebody who said so beautifully, but you know, you're related to King Jesus. (laughs) He's the one now whose blood flows through you. It's not King David. It's not you. You didn't do anything. You're not a king or queen of any country or nation or place. And then you say, but wait a minute. Only the priests go in to the Holy of Holies, and I'm not related to Aaron in any way, shape, or form. I'm not in the priestly line. Yes, you are. Because Jesus at the cross, what did he do? He tore the veil from top to bottom. And he said, enter. Enter. You don't have to be a high priest. You can be any of us. And I want to encourage you today, take up your priestly role. When you pray for each other, when you minister forgiveness and healing and encouragement, you're like a priest. You don't have to call yourself that, but you are. You have a role to play. 
You're a royal priestly people. Doesn't matter what you were. What matters is who you know now. That's all. So take your part. And I want to read you a scripture. Actually, it was this morning. God blessed me to see this in Revelation. I would encourage you to just maybe even close your eyes if you want to. You don't have to. But I hadn't seen this. So we started out with Exodus, went all through Peter, and now we're in Revelation. It's God's plan all along. Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song to the Lamb. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for making us part of your holy nation, for making us a royal people, a kingdom of priests. Thank you. We believe it pleases you that there are people who say, yes, Lord, count me in. I want to be able to offer spiritual sacrifices to you. I want to take my place. Please help me to get over rejection, a feeling of not being good enough. Please help us, Lord. Banish those thoughts from our minds and hearts. Thank you for this wonderful group of people here today, Lord. We truly are thankful to you for shedding your blood that we could be the holy people of God. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.